0: Hello, this is Signor Sevens wishing you a Feliz Navidad. Are you Sancho? Andale, andale, vamonos! This week we're bringing you a Diminishing Returns Christmas special episode. It's just like the normal episodes, but we've done a christmas themed film. And as a special treat, there's also a Christmas music quiz game in this one, which is jolly good fun. Now, normally our new episodes come out on Monday. This episode's coming out a day early so that you can have it on Christmas Eve because I don't want to be faffing around uploading stuff on Christmas Day. This episode contains spoilers for Love Actually, Red Nose Day Actually, Bridget Jones's Diary, and Die Hard. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Diminishing Returns Christmas Special, everyone! It's me, Jolly St... Nick... Film Santa. (laughs) Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone! Uh, I'm Sol, and today, (laughs) in this episode, this week, for Christmas, it's our Christmas special, we're doing Love Actually... Uh, we were gonna do Die Hard like we we said we would last year, but these other two fuckheads wouldn't let me.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Oh. Wait a minute! Let let, let let's why, just justify this. Why? Why would? Why would we? We were should... gonna
0: do Die Hard, but then Calvin threw his toys out of the pram. That's uh, Calvin Dyson with me as always.
1: What? <laughs> what? I mean, yes, that's me. But what? Sorry, <laughs> you yeah. threw my toys out. And, of And
0: uh, and and Alan here, uh, he backed him up, claiming it wasn't a Christmas film. That's yeah, Alan why over would here. we do
1: Die Hard for a Christmas special? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I believe that Alan got upset about it, <laughs> and I was fine with just doing Die Hard, but you wanted to do all the Die Hards, and I didn't want to do all the Die hards. This was another
0: discussion, yeah. We've got to do them all, I think, if we do it. I don't know, I, th- I think, you know, one a year, each Christmas.
1: No, die I Hard 1, drag- Die Hard 2. But the other four aren't Christmas related. So? Die Hard 2 is. No, no I meant the other four. There's six of them now?
0: No, there's five. There's five. Oh, whatever. Sixth one in production.
1: No, the reason why we're not doing Die Hard is because I I, I don't think it's terribly interesting to hear people debating whether or not it's a Christmas film. That's another reason why I stand against it, because I feel like we're making a political statement by doing Die Hard on Christmas, just to be provocative. I don't. (laughs) Okay. I just think it's a good Christmas film. It's a good film in general. Let's have a
0: chat about it. It's got loads to talk about. Good structure, good performance from the uh, late Alan Rickman there.
1: Oh, but you know what? Alan Rickman's in this film.
2: Uh,
0: Love Actually, which uh, we haven't done anything like this since Bridget Jones's Diary, which was Mm -hmm. quite an early episode of ours. We, we, We haven't done many just comedies in general, to be honest.
3: No. Because we keep having to do fucking Marvel and DC films because there's nothing else on.
0: (laughs) Well, hang on. I I thought one of your complaints about Thor Ragnarok was it's a comedy and that every Marvel movie ever made is now a comedy. So. mm. Yeah. Correct. So, well, well, is it a comedy or is it not then, Alan? Are we doing comedies or
1: are we not?
3: No, I mean, like, good comedies with Vince Vaughn. Oh, God.
1: So, I believe that I was the driving force behind Love Actually uh, being our Christmas film, and uh, I, it, I, I think I did this for uh, for the reason that, and this is quite a confession, I've never seen Love Actually, despite telling people that I have. Really? <laughs> Why? Because, because you know
0: that if you say no, they'll go. Oh, you must! You absolutely must watch Love Actually. Will I'll bring it in, and you can. We'll we'll all get together and watch it with nibbles.
1: Is that why? Because you didn't want to spend time with your co-workers. That's part of the reason, uh, but not the co-workers bit. Uh, but uh, when uh, when I was uh, in my late teens, I I quite liked Will Self, and uh, he wrote a scathing review of Love Actually. <laughs> and uh, ever since then, I uh, liked to hate on it, uh, despite never having uh, seen it. Now, this is very interesting, because I, I had
0: you pegged Calvin as someone who would have loved this film, just because, I mean, you enjoyed Bridget Jones's
3: Diary. and uh... oh, I'm, I, I didn't say whether or not I, uh,
0: I, know, I liked know. it,
1: having actually watched <clears throat> it. But,
3: uh, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think that... I mean, I'm going to fall on the side that Calvin won't particularly like this film, for the same reason that everybody dislikes it, that it's a bit shit.
0: No, Um. no, sorry, (laughs) hang on. This is, like, one of the most beloved films in the world at the moment. (laughs) I think
3: that's a bit of a stretch.
0: Maybe not one of the all-time, all-time, but it's probably in the top hundred if you were to do, like, a poll of, certainly the UK.
3: Of idiots.
0: A-, a poll of uh, the general public not critics i would yeah, yeah to add yeah although it did get 63% on Rotten Tomatoes which is a fresh score they didn't hate Christ. it but both you guys liked Bridget Jones's Diary, so my prediction would be that Alan would come down on the side of thinking that this film is, you know, solid, passable rom-com fun, and, I, and that Calvin would be like, oh, it's good, it's got some lovely performances, Colin Firth's great, Hugh Grant, well, we don't like Hugh Grant, he's no Colin Firth, but maybe
3: I can <laughs> pretend, close my eyes, pretend
0: he's James Bond, it's all right. <laughs> well, basically, I thought I was going to be the only negative Nancy in the in the group
3: this Come time. on, you really you really thought that it was a film about all about love and how amazing it is, and I'm not gonna hate it.
1: I, I partly picked it because I knew it would rile Eleanor. Yes, because Alan has <laughs> bafflingly inconsistent
3: <clears throat> taste. I mean, let let's not forget it is it is Christmas. This is our Christmas it's Christmas Day, guys, as this goes out. So Wake well, up everyone. What are you doing to get into the festive spirit? Well, We've got any crackers?
0: I'm, uh, I'm, we're, I'm sat round the fire with you guys.
3: Yay! <laughs> I've got have got a pork pie with cranberry sauce. It's doing me very nicely. What have you guys got? I
0: didn't
1: open my advent calendar today. <laughs> well, it, well, you wouldn't open it today because it's uh, it's Christmas, isn't it, Cam? Oh, 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 yes. Good point. Unless you get <laughs> one of them fancy advent calendars where they do Christmas Day as well. Oh, I won't allow it.
3: Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sol. so. Here's yeah. a game for you. Let's guess what Calvin's advent calendar is.
1: Lego
0: Star Wars.
3: I'm gonna go Lego Paddington Bear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no, no, Lindor, Lindor's lint chocolate.
3: What's that fancy chocolate called? Oh what are those? yeah, yeah. It might be just a fancy chocolate. Wait, wait. Did you buy it yourself, Calvin, or did your mum get it for you? My mum bought it for me. Oh, okay. Then it's Rupert the Bear.
0: I reckon it's a like a celebrations.
3: No, 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 wait, wait. Because your your, your mum will be middle class, but she'll also be, like, traditionally British. so it'll Quality be Cadbury's. street. Cadbury's. Just a pure, like, dairy milk, no frills, this is proper chocolate thing.
1: Ooh, you're close. That's what my sister got. But no, I have the Milky Bar. <laughs> <laughs> right, um...
3: What else are we doing to get into the Christmas spirit before we destroy it? <laughs> well,
0: Calvin was gonna send us some presents, but nothing's arrived in the post for me. I don't know about you, Alan.
1: <laughs> oh, it's disappointing that you remembered me saying that. <laughs> uh...
0: I've got a I've got a Christmas game for us, but we'll do that later. So love actually.
3: <laughs> have you seen it before? I had.
0: I saw it, yeah, y- like years and years and years ago closer to its release i I saw it i
3: i'd seen it again but yeah i couldn't really remember much about it so i I went into this pretty fresh
2: hmm
1: Hmm. yeah same
3: I, i barely
0: remembered it a lot of it sort of came back to me as i was watching it
1: uh i guess just to sum it up for the listeners who might not have seen it but it's one of those films that i think most people have seen love actually is a romantic comedy basically a series of vignettes with uh, a different bunch of characters and their ongoing story in each one. It's essentially about, like, what, ten ten ten-minute stories chopped up Mm. and pushed together. Uh, Each one uh, supposedly a different take on love and what that means.
0: Yeah, It's Richard Curtis, who is well-known as the sort of godfather behind all the British rom-coms of the 90s. Uh, It's his directorial debut, as well as having written it. It was sort of billed as the ultimate rom com, which I think meant that Richard Curtis just kind of took a load of unused material that he couldn't like fit in his other scripts and bits from his other scripts and just kind of shoved them together. And hmm. um, it, it, it kind of plays like about six very weak comedy sketches and maybe two or three actual storylines that are also not fleshed out properly to work, and uh, uh, it, it it's really sappy and saccharine, and it, 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 it's uh, beloved by the general public as a result, because mm. um, people disappoint me.
1: How are we best to go through this? Should we go through it sort of um, story by story, like the group of characters and talk about them? Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I, I've done viewing notes as I went through. Oh, me
3: too. Can I just establish one thing before we start and I really start slugging us off? Sure. Is it, is it possible that this is a parody? This is a very subtle satire on r- ridiculous romantic comedies because it feels like it is.
0: Certainly towards the end, it borders into a... If I was going to write a spoof romantic comedy making fun of the conventions of romantic comedies, it would be very similar to this film. yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. One thing I'll say is I really, really, really think this film has not aged well at Mm. all. There's a lot of stuff in this film that feels very dated. Yeah. And I guess I'll get into that more as we go along. Okay. Um, but in the
1: opening, in the opening scene, there are people coming off planes at Heathrow, and it's some voiceover about how oh, whenever I'm uh, gloomy, I go to um, Heathrow and uh, look at people greeting other people, and and then he starts going on about
0: nine eleven, which is just yes. a really weird way to kick off a romantic comedy feel good film. To
1: say this film was released uh, just over two years after nine eleven, I mean, when when it must have all been fresh in people's minds, it's a yeah. curious choice and one that I dislike greatly. This is part of... This is one of the many things that I think has aged
0: badly because when this came out, I I think they actually showed that opening scene in an assembly at my school, in fact, from what I remember. Hmm. Because I think one of the teachers had decided that it was a really beautiful little (laughs) bit of writing and blah, 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 blah.
3: shitty school did you go to? Quite.
0: (laughs) I, I think closer to 9-11 itself, perhaps everyone was a bit more... I mean, God, have you seen World Trade Center recently? The The Oliver Stone film? That, that got really good reviews when it came out. It's a total mm. piece of horseshit. I think a lot of stuff was just given a free pass if it evoked 9-11 around the time, because the emotions were so raw that, you know, it didn't actually have to be very clever or tonally sound or whatever, and and i think people were more willing to go with it whereas now we've got enough distance that you're just being reminded of a an international tragedy and it doesn't really make sense in the context of the film that you're sitting down to watch yeah i don't weird. think it makes
1: context uh, it doesn't make sense in the context of this film like something like world trade center or united 93 something like that fine fair play whatever but then yeah, yeah, yeah. just like the the opening speech isn't very long and it's mainly waffle oh yeah it's it's like the second sentence is yeah. just like oh by the way 911 Uh, And I just think it's a a horrible bit of emotional manipulation, really. It's like the equivalent of just having a 10-second shot of someone stamping on puppies if you want people to be upset. It's just, well, yeah, if you're going to evoke that kind of horrific um, event for the sake of setting the tone of a fictional piece of work, then it's um, Mm. quite sad. And... and and I do, you know, to
0: give Richard Curtis the benefit of the doubt, I don't think it was a an intentional I'm just going to piggyback off 9-11 kind mm. of thing. I, I think it was probably fresh in his mind and he felt that he needed to address it in one form or, or another. And this yeah. was his kind of clumsy attempt to say something on the topic. And mm. it just, like I say, I, I really think this has aged badly along with many other elements of this film. As much as I'm going to be complaining about this film it does have a really phenomenal cast oh yeah yeah it's one of those films where they've got a whole load of big stars certainly on the british film circuit Mm. um who've all agreed to take part presumably because they're you know, only going to be needed for like two days of filming because <laughs> no one's actually in the film very much. And then every incidental role is played by someone who you can recognize off a sitcom or yeah. something. So it's that extra. And anyway, the first one of those we, we meet, other than Hugh Grant doing the voiceover, is Bill Nye. Yes. Who plays a, a sort of aged rock star. Mm. I love Bill Nye. Mm hmm. I'm not sure if he was quite right for the role of a aged, angry rock star. I I can see what they were going for, I can see why they went with him, but I don't know, something about him in this film just never quite rings true for me. Mm. He's a
3: bit too posh, isn't he? He's like yeah, a bit too that's middle it. class to mm. be a rocker, like a hard rocker. But I, I think
0: out of all the stories in the film, his is one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, it it sort of has a coherent arc.
3: Well what what I like about that element, he's not really in a, a, a love story as it's going on. And so he's just dropped in every now and then and it is a kind of inconnect interconnecting tissue that sort of pulls things together. It, mm-hmm. it works, it, it it's structured well for that where it just goes away to him for a bit, he does something sort of wacky comes back and then they have the little bit of the ending which just to pull that story together it works, it makes sense, you kind of see it coming but it's...
0: He is an aged washed up rock star, he records a shit uh, Christmas single trying to get Christmas number one he does a series of press interviews but he's very honest and open about the fact that his song sucks and that strikes a chord with the public who then go out and buy his song and make it Christmas number one he's a big hit, he's going off to like parties with People like Elton John and what have you, and he decides to go and spend Christmas with his manager, who's been there by his side the whole time because he realizes that he's the closest thing he's got to like actual family and
3: what's important to Christmas and that sort mm. of stuff. Cause, yeah, because they've been working together for so long, and and he's been there when he needed him and all that.
0: And for international listeners, it's probably worth mentioning that there is a a real thing of the the British Christmas number one, or at least there certainly was until about. Yeah. But I don't I think it was very I think it was more of a British thing than it was elsewhere that like extra importance was put on the number one single at Christmas. And traditionally you'd get shitty novelty records released around that time alongside more conventional christmas songs and that sort of thing and occasionally people would try to subvert it and blah 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 blah. but anyway if you're making a film like this that's meant to encapsulate everything about christmas and in england it kind of makes sense to acknowledge the phenomenon i suppose
2: Mm.
1: i thought they were going down the the gay route because when he eventually gets to his manager's house he's got like posters of Bill Nye's character up on the wall and stuff, and I get that he's his manager and everything, but
0: this is one of my many notes about why this film feels so incredibly outdated now. Is that there's no homosexual representation whatsoever within the romantic stories? um, Well, do you know
1: about the deleted scenes? No, there were two characters cut completely from the film, because um, it was going to be a tangent from um, one of the Emma Thompson scenes. Emma Thompson was, her son in the film was supposed to get in trouble, and she was going to go and see the headmistress, who was played by Anne Reed, who was this middle-aged lady, very strict, and all this kind of stuff, and you think, oh god, what a battle axe. And then the film followed her home, mm. and she went home to her lesbian partner, who was, like, dying of cancer, and we have scenes with them. So, I mean, they were, you know, they had as, about as much screen time as anyone else, but that was completely <laughs> cut from the film. Which is telling.
0: And on, on the issue of representation as well, it's uh, it's pretty much an entirely white cast. I mean, there's well, there's I... a few black people that are used as
3: props uh,
1: here and Chewie's but... in
3: there, isn't he? Chew it all.
1: Yeah, I, I made the same note earlier on, Sol, and then I, I amended my note to, it was all very white, and then I changed to all very white slash black and straight. It's like... There's not. There's no Indian people. There's no. Um, but there's
0: barely any black people either. Like I say, there, there's no. Unless they're relatives of a tell at the wedding. <laughs> That's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They're in the background, and and he doesn't even have a story. He he is the pretty much the only black character, and he doesn't. Mm. He's got like two lines and no story arc, and it's about these white people that he's. <laughs> Being
1: fucked around by. Him. Should we move on yeah. to his segments? Because he, they're the next characters that we come across at the wedding, where you were told Edge of is marrying Kira Knightley. Yeah, he's he's marrying Kira Knightley.
0: Yes, and Andrew Lincoln is videoing them.
1: Yes, he's the best man,
0: and he's very sad.
1: Yeah, well, we, we he's sad at the start, and we're sort of led to believe that he's got a crush on Chiwetel's character. Mm. Uh, But then it very quickly transpires that he's actually being very creepy and only filming Kira Knightley. And she comes to his house, sees an edit that he's made of the video, which is just entirely (laughs) close-ups of her. And that's pretty much all it takes to make a
0: sort of fall in love with him, or at least fancy well... him a bit, because it goes straight from that, which is the only time they've pretty much ever interacted, from mm. what we can gather, really, to him showing up on a doorstep and doing that music video with the cue cards. Oh, and, I hated that. I hated and that And then so she, much. she, like, chases after him and gives him a kiss, and then next time we see them, it's like... The end of that, and it doesn't even sort of.
3: Yeah, I never got, I never got the impression that she was like, oh yeah, I reciprocate. Let's do something. It was very mm-hmm. much like, look, I get it, and you are being because of the love for your friend, you're not trying anything on. I respect that kind of that. That's the idea, I think, because that yeah. that the idea of that love story is that it's a love for his friend, and therefore he's not going to shag his wife,
0: <laughs> but she chases him down the street and snogs him. Which no, she just really gives enough. him a
3: little. She just gives him a little peck, like a kind on of
0: on the lips.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's not really. Um, I I I just of... I found that whole bit quite sad because I think we're supposed to be celebrating the fact that Andrew Lincoln has this unrequited love for this woman. And oh, isn't this nice? How he's not acting on it because of the love of his friend. And it's like, well, it's just a bit creepy. He's making a big song and dance about it. Well, that's it.
0: He is acting on it. Yeah. And it's a story that, like every other story in this film, needed about five other scenes to work. Mm, yeah. We needed to see yeah. him and his friends being friends. Point one, because we we don't care about his friendship at all. Because mm. we don't know anything about the friendship. And and we just needed to see a bit more of that, you know, fallout. We needed to see a bit more of him and, and Kira like hanging out and oh I just Anyway, anyway at this at this same wedding, is it? We meet Chris Marshall. Yes. Who is practically not even a storyline. Like he has 3 scenes maybe in the mm. entire film. I you, like you forget he's in it.
3: Yeah, there's a, like an hour and 20 minute gap between uh, his scenes.
0: And it, once again there's absolutely zero arc. His his thing is just an extended comedy sketch and a very weak one where he kind of he kind of goes Right, well, I've realised I'm, like, not a very attractive man, and I've got no personality, so what I'm going to do is go to America, they'll fancy me because I've got a British accent. Everyone's like, that's not going to work, mate, you're an idiot. And then he goes to America, and the first bar he steps into, like, there's three beautiful women who are like, oh my god, I love your accent, and then he goes home and shags them all. No twist!
1: No twist to that that at all. That's exactly
0: it. There's no arc, there's no change, there's no twist. And it's not, like, it, it... there's the nugget of a nice funny idea in there, but mm. it just needs a bit more again. It, it mm. just needs like like a scene when he arrives in America and it's shit and he's having a shit time and then mm. he finds this bar yeah. or yeah. or he goes back to their place and somehow it backfires on him in a comedic way and he, they're all men. <laughs> but you know something like he he doesn't he doesn't like it for some I don't know. There's just so many mm. It just doesn't quite
3: work. a good A good twist on that would have been he goes to a bar, he tries to chat up some hot American women, and they're like, oh, "You're a bit ugly and weird looking, sorry." <laughs> and then, and so it's exactly the same. And then, like he's like trudging back to the airport to go back to Britain or whatever, and he just gets talking to a girl in the airport, and she's going back to Britain as well, and she's like, "Oh, I just felt like I didn't fit in Britain, but I don't feel fit in here." And like, "Oh, we actually get on really well." Mm. That would have been the way to do it but that isn't e- that isn't even a joke that's just a
0: story like at least the way it's done here it's like a weak funny joke well
3: this this is the most self-consciously comedy bit this is mm. and yeah. And that's okay, but the problem with it is that it just does not fit in with the rest of the film at all. Because it's so fantastical, because it's so, yeah, it feels like a dream sequence. It would work better if
0: it concluded when, because there is a bit at the end of the film when everything's concluding, they're running to the airport, they're doing all the rom-com shit. If his conclusion had happened at the very end, when everything else is like fairy tale level of nonsense rom-com, It Mm. might have played better, but his story concludes about 40 minutes before the film ends, Mm. and then you see him very briefly at the end when he comes back to the uh, airport. Yeah. Anyway, then we meet Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister, is that
1: next? Yeah, new Prime Minister five weeks before Christmas, and presumably there's an entirely new party in power because uh, Mm. they keep talking about the last lot and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Again, this this feels very dated, but not
0: necessarily in a bad way. This just, this just makes you hark for a time when you could have a completely undivisive, neutral party in a film. And it's like you weren't going, oh, he's obviously this side or that side. You were able to just be like, right, he's the Prime Minister, that's Oh, he's the a Conservative. He's yeah, definitely I definitely conservative.
3: got conservative. The, the whiff of conservatism over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But he's not a million miles away from a Tony Blair. Oh, he's yeah. definitely... Op- well, yeah, this character only exists. Like, there was no such thing as a sexy Prime Minister Exactly, Tony Blair. Exactly.
0: He's clearly got shades of tony blair in there my point is that it's not it, as much as there's whiffs of one or the other it, it's you can kind of buy that it's just meant as a neutral party and it's yeah. not making a political yeah. point yeah. within the film mm. and i think that really feels like something that would be a lot more difficult to do in this day and age unless you're being far more scathing about politics in general at which point you probably could get away with it but mm. I, I don't know it just again it felt very of Two thousand and three, in a way that you wouldn't really get now.
1: Is it making a point later on? Probably not. But um, Hugh Grant's whole story is that he fancies this uh, staff member at Ten Downing Street, and later on, the American president is over and visiting, and he sees him sort of sexually harassing the lady. <laughs> I mean, I, I I must say
0: I. I, I I found it very far fetched the idea of the U.S. president sexually harassing people. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but he, he yeah, Hugh Grant makes this spontaneous um, speech in which he denounces the relationship between with America, which it comes out of nowhere.
0: It's this weird, rousing like. Oh, Brits! We're so brilliant, and America mm. can fuck off because we're so great on our own. And yeah, which it, it's and the music swells, and people are getting teary-eyed, and mm. it's very odd. And and when I was watching it, I was just thinking, like, what an utterly unprofessional, incompetent man because he, <laughs> he's only he's only doing this rather massive political manoeuvre because he's fucked off about the fact that he fancies a girl and the Prime Minister, uh, the President, was coming on to it. Mm. And, oh, dear, dear. dear.
3: What what I found surprising about it is that this is a film, obviously it's a very British film, but in the sense that it's made for an American audience. Like Mm. Notting Hill. Well, Four Weddings and Funeral made that mould. They did Notting Hill. It's like... Oh, Americans love the British, like, Chris Marshall. They love they love the quaint Britishness about it. So we're selling this to an American audience. So mm. it is a bit of a... Oh, wait, was George Bush in then? Oh, yeah, okay, it makes sense.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hear that... He, uh, because Bill, Billy Bob Thornton plays the president, I hear that he was supposed to be a bit of an amalgamation of um, George Bush and uh, Bill Clinton.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> he fancies the T-girl. Can't handle the fact that he fancies her. so has her fired. Um, and then... And then... Later on, tracks her down. That that woman, by the
0: way, the tea girl, another character where the entire joke is that she swears. Oh yeah. I, I I've I've gone past some wedding stuff, although I think it's because the film then cuts back to the wedding again.
1: Rather. Oh, I'm very confused. All this like because people yeah. come and go from the wedding. Um, we'll get to Colin Firth's character, but he like. Leaves the wedding after the ceremony to go home to go back to the reception to do mm. something. It's, it's very confusing. I thought it was a non-linear timeline at first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I questioned that at one point at the other start. I, I yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, I guess
0: technically it is. We we start at the end of the film in the airport and then,
1: or well, don't know about that. Apparently, that's every minute of every day in Heathrow Airport. No, it, it, isn't it that. the
0: same footage? Uh, ooh, don't you I see don't the know. same people again? I don't know. They've got a lot of footage. I thought it was repeating it at the end. The stuff we saw at the beginning. I don't know. And then we are introduced to Martin Freeman and whatever she's called from Gavin and Stacey. Oh who, yeah, I
2: forgot. Joanna I forgot about Page.
0: Them. They are shooting some sort of bizarre porn film, but I mean, high budget I've one. Got, if that. Well, I it, I've got a lot of questions. So <laughs> it seems very. It seems like a. A proper budget film. It's got a full crew, and they're lighting yeah. it and everything. Well, properly. they're they're so not they're not, not
3: sh- well they're not shooting the film. They're the stand-ins for the actors, and so the fact that they've got stand-ins for the well, actors that, means exactly. it's a proper film. But that they, so that's the idea. That's why there's, they're not acting. there like they're just sort of going through the motions because they're just bodies in place and that's why it's kind of creates this kind of oh they're just chatting away while they're doing it but there is some full-on sex scenes in this film isn't it is not
0: theres it just meant to be a normal film when they're the stand-ins for the sex scenes yeah i believe that's it yeah oh right i just thought they were meant to be stand-ins for like a weird big budget porn movie that didn't make any sense
2: <laughs>
1: well that's it. If, if this is just a regular movie with a sex scene it's a very graphic one and presumably long because there's several scenes including extended
0: like blowjob sequences where mm. you see from like the back of the head and the woman on top bouncing away on top mm. of the guy like yeah for a mainstream film it, it would be quite cuz she's bouncing away for ages on top of him mm. whilst they're like lighting it so i don't know is it, are they just running through the entire scene it's, it's
3: well no but that's it the the they they might just be shooting one little sex scene but she just has to sit there while they're lighting it. And so it's like, you know, that takes longer than the actual scene.
0: But they keep, but, but it's spread out. So they're obviously spending days and days doing oh, Weeks, this, doing Unless this, the yeah. film is not chronological. The <laughs> idea is they're getting to know each other over like filming all these sex scenes. It's
3: hmm. mm. But yeah, again, as a, as a comedic concept, it, it, it's fine. It's slightly exaggerated and that's all right. Well as a comedic concept it's
0: great but it's just not again there's no storyline here and this is probably the worst story mm. i i can remember off the top of my head because there is no conflict whatsoever two people meet mm. each other chat fancy each other and then go out with
3: each other
1: mm. there's well no... i'll tell you
3: i'll tell you why i liked it this is the most realistic love story in the whole thing <laughs> yeah. because two people meet get on decide to go out like that yeah. is real yeah. Rather than the nonsense in the rest of this shitty film, I I
0: agree, but it's completely and utterly boring, and nothing happens. There's no conflict. There's no art, and they're not really they're not really connected to any of the other players who are all kind of linked up in some way. Yeah. That is well. Well, that was another problem I had. That the big point of this film is it's meant to be one of these anthologies where all the stories kind of intersect and come no. together, and they don't. They're, there's about there's two or three that sort of go to the same location. At yeah, once, and, and not necessarily for plot purposes.
3: It's just to connect them.
0: Emma Thompson reveals she's like the sister of the prime minister no. in a very awfully written bit of exposition where she says something like oh, I'm just on the phone to my brother, the Prime Minister. It's at like least... Yeah,
1: she, she says something like, oh, it's jolly hard to have a family dinner when your brother's the Prime Minister or something like that. She says, the trouble with being the Prime Minister's sister is it does put stuff into perspective. Oh, <laughs> great. No, you know, someone actually made a graph. Uh, of all the, like, everyone is interconnected in some way, apart from Bill Nye and his manager, who just sort of appear on TV. Um, That vaguely intersects insofar as, at the end, him appearing on TV distracts
0: the airport staff and allows that kid to... That's that's one of the best interconnected bits of tissue, in that it actually, Mm. it's almost this kind of Magnolia-esque, everything coming together kind of idea, which if the Mm. film had done more of, I would have liked, but it's not, it's just like... Oh, there's so and so bumping into so and so, and um, but that there, yeah, there's no conventional twist like you say. There's no button. There's in a joke that kind mm. of makes it all worthwhile, and there's no conflict being resolved. It's it's there's only one or two where it feels like okay, that's sort of an ending to this mm. strand. And there's about ten stories, so yeah.
1: eight out of ten are just nothing. Yeah, I mean uh, that, that's completely. I would... A lot of the characters in this film, they all have very what London Curtis thinks people do, which is like working creative offices and these open <laughs> plan, you, like cool. And...
3: Did you say London Curtis deliberately then, as if as a kind of generic Richard Curtis in London thing? Oh,
1: I didn't mean that. Or did you just but, say um, London Curtis? <laughs> I must have just meant London. I just said London Curtis. But what I mean, like what, um, what Richard Curtis thinks that. Britain is, or I, I don't know. Everyone's got yeah. these very sort of middle class, mediary, middle-class jobs and they work in these cool open-plan offices or politics or, you know. Um, and it, and if they are sort of working class like Martin McCutcheon, and we see all of her family at the end, it's like, <clears throat> oh, they're fine to live 12 in one house. They, they love it. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I don't know if they're all living in that house together. Maybe they were. Is that the idea? I don't know. That's how I took it. That probably was what it was meant to be, wasn't it? I've just realised. I just assumed they were all round for the Christmas thing, but you're no, that might right. that might be it. No, it probably is Richard Curtis writing twelve people living in this tiny <laughs> little. <laughs> Bob Cratchit comes out. <laughs> is she even really working class? She works at Number Ten Downing Street. Yeah, well, yeah, I've I mean, got questions. Even as a tea lady,
3: that. that's <laughs> you're not going to let the scum in to do the tea there, are you?
0: <laughs> um anyway then we we meet liam neeson yes who is rubbish as ever oh
3: oh i have to say i've got to go with you, soul here one of the a couple of the things ju- jumped out at me that i didn't think the acting was all that great in there's a couple of exceptions but i thought generally it was pretty bland i thought liam neeson was actually pretty shit that little kid just acts him off the screen every time they're together and that's just embarrassing and I did, I really um I really didn't like Andrew Lincoln either. I just thought he was Yeah, he was. In this. I haven't really seen him in much else so I don't want to judge him, but he's oh, pretty Oh,
0: everything I've seen Le- uh, Andrew Lincoln in, he's been fine, but this he is just the most plain nothing Yeah. No, but honestly, like as much as I love the cast in this film, there's only one, maybe two if you count that kid. Maybe three. There's maybe three cast members that are turning in a genuinely quite good performance in this film. I think most of them are, I don't know, lazy, disinterested, or just not very mm. good. Trying to make the best of ham-fisted, shitty, thin script. I, I don't yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. just... But I thought Liam Neeson was very weak. But then I don't think much of him at the best of times.
3: Well, this is, his story is that his wife's just died. Um, and so then he's... He's left with this. Well, it's her son, so he's the stepfather. And so it's not like they have an immediate, like, oh, I'm your dad kind of connection. It's mm. a little bit awkward, which I like that. I like the setup. Mm. And so that, but then dealing with this dead wife and dead mother kind of quickly takes a back yep. seat <laughs> mm. because he's got a crush on a girl in school that he's never spoken to. Mm. And that's far more important.
0: Am I right in thinking Liam Neeson's wife died?
3: in real life? Well, yeah, uh, after this. Years after this, yeah. Oh, after this? You yeah, think yeah. that is a performance of a man going through something he's genuinely experienced? I'd love to see Liam Neeson doing that now because I bet he'd just absolutely distru- bury it. He'd, 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 he'd win an Oscar for it. Mm. Well,
0: because I, I thought... I just assumed it was written for him because he'd been through it in real life. and that
3: <laughs> Imagine making that phone call. Hello, it's Richard. And that he yeah, didn't want to
2: like
0: engage <laughs> yes. with it on too deep a level, which is why his performance is so, like... But, but then the, the the line is something along the lines of My dead wife said that I should find someone who looks like Claudia Schiffer to replace her. And mm. then the character that he ends up with at the end is played by Claudia Schiffer. Mm. That's a weirdly meta thing for this film to do. Yeah. Isn't it? He gets over it very quickly. Cause after uh, yeah, that's
1: that's exactly. Yeah. Four weeks after he's buried. Yeah, it's her.
0: Claudia Schiffer, though, isn't it? So, of course he will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But um, I, I guess the whole joke between him and the boy is that they kind of talk, like, they swear with each other and all that kind of stuff. They just talk like they're mates rather than mm. a father and son. But that, but that's it. That's supposed to be kind of endearing and we go, oh, yeah, that's kind of... But it comes across really
3: creepy because he's, like, he's talking mm. about sex and stuff to him. Mm. And like, yeah. This kid's, like, 11 years old. But the, and the, and to be
0: fair, I think part of the humour is that the kid is very... He's one of those rom-com children where the children acts like an, ad- an adult. Yeah, I so do he's... hate that. You know, the joke is early on that you're expecting the kid to be like, oh, I'm being bullied or something like that. And he's like, Mm. you know, what's wrong? Oh, I'm in love. And it's like, uh, what? I mean, I I think this subplot is one of the best in the entire film. I think it's one of the only ones that's kind of got a coherent structure to it. Yeah. And it just it is just the most bog standard if I was trying to make up a rom com on the spot.
1: Mm. Does that take us on to our next uh, segment?
0: Yes. Is this Alan
1: Rickman? Then? Yes. <laughs> Couldn't be a better uh, segue into that.
3: Well, I think no, this this one, if I can put my cards straight on the table, this was the story that that worked for me. Um particularly the Alan Rickman Emma Thompson bit, rather than this the secretary sexy secretary bit. But, I mean, th- like, Emma Thompson, I mean, the best thing in it... I was
0: about to say, Emma Thompson is by far and away the best performance in this film. She is the only Agreed. person turning in yeah. a real performance.
3: Just see, she always yeah. is. But yeah, but but she does, uh, this is why this story kind of works, she does at least get a bit of emotional weight to play with.
0: Yeah, but the problem is, she gets two-thirds of a story, and then the film kind of forgets to conclude it. And yes. I think they try, they, try and, they try and wrap it up in a sort of very mature, ambiguous kind of way, but they don't give the film the... the They don't give the characters the extra time that you need for that to work.
1: Yeah. It just needed one extra scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: I, I agree, but in the context of this film, that was my favourite bit. That was my favourite ending. It was my favourite story. They're my favourite characters.
0: And, uh... So, I mean, I, I love Alan Rickman. Uh, mm-hmm. Would much rather be mm-hmm. talking about his iconic turn as Hans Gruber <laughs> right now. But uh, we're stuck with this, which is another very nothing performance. Feels like he doesn't really have anything it,
3: it to do It is, with. but Alan Rickman doing a basic performance uh, because there's not much in the script is still a good uh, performance. It's, it's, very, it's still a solid bit of Alan Rickman. Mm. This has the most kind of proper uh, rom-com because it has that... It has the emotional genuine emotional stakes, because he could be giving something up to for something else. It has it has the proper it has the proper comedy elements with the whole Rowan Atkinson bit. Well, that that's the one comic element in this whole thing. The bits worked. It just didn't have the space to breathe and obviously yeah. it's yeah. You, was sandwiched in all of the I shit. completely
1: agree. It was my favourite segment of the film. It's uh, Alan Rickman is uh, contemplating having an affair with an attractive new secretary at his workplace and Emma Thompson is finding she finds a, a very nice necklace in his pocket, uh, in his jacket pocket, and thinks it's for her. It's not for her. So she's been seeing these two dancing at the office party and all that, and she naturally comes to the conclusion that he bought it for her. Whether or not he's sleeping with her or not is left unresolved. But this is why if it had more place to, more space to breathe, mm. if that secretary character
3: had a bit yeah. more, you know, uh, character.
1: I yeah, I kept waiting to figure out what her deal was, like what was driving her because it seemed like she just genuinely wanted to be having sex with Alan Rickman, which is an unusual drive. No, uh, Alan Rickman, he's a, he's
0: a... Uh... Sexy old man. (laughs) (laughs) No, he
1: isn't. He definitely isn't. If he wasn't Alan Rickman, great actor and amazing voice, you wouldn't look at him twice on the the street. Um, (laughs) um, Mr. Potter. um, But yeah, there's there's no sort of um, resolve to it really, other than Emma Thompson, because Emma Thompson has it out with him, Mm. and then the next scene is him coming back from a a business trip, I presume, and she's meeting him at the airport.
0: She hardly even has it out with him. She sort of has a quarter of it out with him. And then he just kind of goes, and then it cuts away. I thought that this was going to be the bit that Alan was the most upset with, or... um... No, Alan loves... Films where it doesn't, nothing happens and it doesn't resolve.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The best scene is when Emma Thompson like, oh, the iconic moment finally realises and she has to go off and compose herself. It's just her on her own trying to stop crying. Mm. Yeah,
0: she She's opening the Christmas presents and there's a box that is the exact same size and shape of the box that her necklace, or the the necklace she found was in and Mm. she opens it to find a CD. Jodie Mitchell, is
2: Yes, yes.
1: So she goes and puts the CD on and is listening to, like, a song, uh, and she has a breakdown and, and composes herself and goes to the kids' uh, nativity pageant Christmas well, parade yeah. thing, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Is that kids' nativity taking place on
0: Christmas Day? Sure, why not? A Christmas Eve... Christmas
1: Eve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but then it doesn't make any sense why we'd have a new government five weeks before Christmas. So they're
3: opening presents on Christmas Eve. Yeah, they're opening presents on Christmas Eve, like in a kind of, okay, one present on Christmas Eve.
1: Oh, the little present.
0: Oh, well, then why is she fucking
3: crying? For all she knows, the necklace is tomorrow's
0: big
1: <laughs> gift. <laughs> she knows. Well, she she she's pretty like me and gets under the tree and sort of feels every single package. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is a
0: major <laughs> plot hole,
2: to be honest.
0: Ta- talking about Christmas, by the way, this this film is barely a Christmas film. You guys get on at me for Die Hard not being a Christmas film. Be but... of
1: yourself. <laughs> anyway, um, back to Alan Rickman. His character cross-pollinates more than um, a lot of the other ones do, because he's also in Laura Linney's... Oh god, I completely forgot she was even in the thing, yeah. Crossing several acceptable lines, pushing her to ask her colleague out on a date.
0: Yeah, this is one of the worst. I I don't know, I keep saying that stories are among the worst. (laughs) This is a... This is a shit story, this one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's really nothing dull. here there's no conflict other than she's a bit shy and then the guy comes along and does all the work for her and it's like alright she's having a nice happy sort of thing and then out of nowhere she's got a disabled yeah, brother not set up that she's at all. got to like, deal with
3: it might it might have worked if at some point during one of the previous scenes she'd like got a phone call and like, had to go oh sorry I've got to deal with this or oh, what's wrong now like you know like, it's some yeah. vague setup because mm. then it just yeah. becomes a kind of oh it's supposed to be a plot twist when she gets the phone call it's like Is that her boss
0: telling her to work about it? No, she's going to answer the phone
3: and go, hello, I'm here with a sexy young man between my legs. Oh, hello, (laughs) mum.
0: It does feel like it's... A couple of deleted scenes from
3: Bridget Jones
0: that you just yeah, dusted yeah. off, and
3: I like I like Laurie Linney. I like I, I love her. The, the story was just so tragic, and yeah. and I think the, the the idea is that her she has her love for her brother means that she's had to sacrifice other things. But is uh, am I supposed to be think that's a, a, a laudable thing? That it's horrible.
0: Well, that's it. And the thing is, like in this Richard Curtis universe, it would have been so easy to just have the person be understanding and supportive and then the final scene is both of them with the brother at Christmas but this is obviously Richard Curtis attempting to inject a little bit of emotion and tugging at the heartstrings into his otherwise saccharine film so people can't say that he's just schmaltzy and it, it just rings hollow
3: have we dealt with Colin Firth yet? No, the last big one. This is what I thought. It might just be a joke. It might. This might be a comedy sketch designed to satirise romantic comedies because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> all, all these, most of the story, most of the romantic love stories. Okay, they touch on some other types of love, but the romantic love stories in this film, which are the main ones, are all based on. Look at that person. I find them very physically attractive. Will you marry me? And it's the most shallow, superficial idea of love. Yeah. Mm. And it's all based on sexual lust. But all the, but this one is like it's it's like a, a parody of it. It's it's like the epitome of here's someone I don't can't even speak to. I can't get any gauge of their real personality. Will you marry me? I've travelled halfway across Europe to ask. Isn't that cute?
1: His, his story is that he um, wakes up on the morning of the wedding um, that we talked about earlier, Chiwetel's and Kira's, and uh, he has a girlfriend who is cheating on him with his brother. He goes to his nice chalet in France, as you do, and then gets a new maid housekeeper, falls in love with her, and then decides he wants to marry her, so travels back to Europe to find her. Oh, God, and then there's a fucking scene where Hugh Grant... Graham- starts he's listening to
0: the radio and he starts dancing to this song and he's dancing through number 10 downing street and Mm -hmm. it's meant to be funny because he's dancing which Mm. is the level of shit comedy we're dealing with. And then, inevitably, someone walks in on him. And, like, he stops dancing the music cuts, so that was all in his head, which means that entire sequence, like, after he Mm. leaves the bedroom, is just him dancing and singing to music that doesn't exist, and he's not even singing it out loud, so he's just dancing to silence, which is weird. I'm not sure what my next note is referring to specifically, but I've just written boil-in-the-bag emotion slash comedy for middle-aged women. <laughs> I think I was getting annoyed. I
3: think you're referring to the film there. <laughs>
1: Um, there's one character that we haven't really covered yet, actually. Um, the oh, Rowan really? Atkinson character. Ah, uh, yes, first, yes, Because yes. he, is, he is an iconic uh, presence in the film, despite only being in it for about three minutes. He appears in two scenes. Originally, that character was supposed to be a Christmas angel. Well, that would explain I, well, that a That makes sense of th- the ending. Because it doesn't work at all as it
0: stands. Because yeah, he appears in one yeah. scene, then he appears as this magical entity in a scene later on, helping characters mm. he's never met. He, he, like, knowingly, like... It
3: gives, like, a little wink camera. to him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, mm. in
0: a way that, like... Because his appearance later on would have been a funny joke on its own. It would have mm. been like, oh, it's linking up, and it's the same guy doing the same sort of thing, just faffing around, that's funny, and mm. it works as a distraction. That would have been really nice. But then he does this little knowing wink, and it's like, yes. wait, is he is he self-aware? Does he know that he's in a film? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> And, yeah. and that would have worked if he'd done that in, like, mm. everyone's story. <laughs> but he doesn't
3: yeah. appear. Yeah, that okay. would have kind of... That would help explain the kind of painfully saccharine endings as well. If it was, like, mm. some sort of magic Clarence the Fairy comes and sorts <laughs> of so, out.
0: So why did they... Was it just deleted scenes? Did they change their mind when writing it? Or what?
1: Yeah, yeah, apparently it was in, in the script process that they just dropped the idea. But then why film it that he winks at them?! <laughs> Yep, exactly. Because exactly. there's Richard no hint. Curtis. There's no hint earlier on because he's the one packing the. Um... Well, earlier on he's not helpful. Earlier on he's causing yes. trouble for characters. Well... well,
3: you could argue that he's trying to stop him from buying mm. this thing. for Well, him. he's a he pretty
0: it. shitty angel that he stopped him that one time and then just subsequently failed because the guys <laughs> went out and
1: bought another thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If he'd appeared at the ending and been all fussy or whatever. Um, just not done that knowing look to the boy, it would have been fine. Mm. Oh, and I've made a note around here, Colin Firth calls himself a
0: total spaz in the film, so that's another (laughs) line that's not aged well.
3: Okay, so Calvin and the epilogue comes along and they're all at Heathrow three months later, for some reason everyone is there.
1: Yes, they've all gone on the same holiday, I suppose. (laughs) And there's some kind of an attempt to wrap up, I think? Is this the ending of all these stories, or are we supposed to want more? Are we supposed to be happy that some of them are unresolved, like Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman? Because uh, I wasn't sure if they divorced, or if he'd gone to live somewhere else for a while, or, or what that was about. Well, I think that one's deliberately ambiguous.
0: Yeah, but it's mm. badly done, ambiguity. I think it's mm. it's all there to try and give an ending. So you can't go, what the fuck happened to that character? They can go, what? They showed up at the end.
2: Mm.
0: And it's like, yeah, but nothing that you didn't conclude it or anything. And they go, well, he said hello to his mate and a sexy woman came through with him from America.
2: What, mm. what else do
0: you want? It's just, <laughs> it's just some fun escapism. <laughs> just enjoy it.
1: I was very happy with Denise Richards showing up at the end. I didn't know she was in this. <laughs> Who who's this woman? Is she the American? Yeah, yeah, who comes in at the end and she like starts snogging? Well, presumably, presumably they're turned on by British men, and now they're at Heathrow Airport. So yeah. well, that was it. That should have been the funny ending to his
0: story. That he brings them home and like he's like, "Oh, we're engaged. We're gonna get married. Oh, I'm so happy. I finally found someone." <laughs> and then like, like in the coffee shop, someone's like, "You know, w- would you like milk with that?" And she's like, "Oh my god, that's so sexy." And she like starts getting off with him. And Chris Marshall's <laughs> like, "Oh," and he does home alone to
1: camera. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. I would have, I would have enjoyed that. Should we Should we wrap up feelings about the film? I don't think any of us well, like it very much. Yes. Um but how much do we dislike it, Sol? Should we guess? Because I, I reckon I like it the most out of all. Probably, threes. which is a surprise.
0: I'll, I liked it more than Bridget Jones's Diary. I'll say <clears throat> that much. But then I hated Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> And I don't. I find it very weird that you guys are down on this so much, but so into Bridget Jones's Diary. Because
2: Bridget Jones is, is funny. Film.
0: No, it isn't. Love Actually is funnier, which says a lot about how unfunny Bridget Jones is.
3: Is there is there any point in Love Actually where there's a woman in big pants? It's hilarious, big pants. Yes, <laughs> every scene.
1: <laughs> Mm. <laughs> just, just got clothes. So. I mean, you say that as if <laughs> oh, we we're, 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 we like you know um, go over to each other's homes and watch Bridget Jones with a tub of ice cream every uh, month or so. It's like I I think we were fairly lukewarm to it at best. <laughs>
3: Hang on, I want to I want to see what. Ray yeah, I, I need to actually because
1: I can't imagine I gave it more I, than yeah. a maybe a seven if I was feeling particularly generous.
0: Yeah, let, let's all revisit our Bridget Jones I mean <laughs> let's guess higher or lower. No, Al- Alan, what did you give Bridget Jones' Diary? I gave Bridget Jones' Diary
3: 5 out of 10. Ooh, alright.
0: I reckon you gave Love Actually a
3: th- 3. I- I'm gonna go 4. <laughs> I gave Love Actually a 5 out of 10.
0: Oh, oh that's what? interesting. Oh, okay.
3: But you liked Bridget Jones' <laughs> Diary! No, I didn't.
0: I hated it more than you did. I think that was the... Uh...
1: Maybe, maybe. Alright, Calvin... I gave Bridget Jones six out of ten. Oh, de- lower, lower. <laughs> I he, lower.
0: I reckon he. I reckon gave Love Gamble. Actually. I reckon you give Love Actually a two out of ten,
1: Calvin. Oh, I'm gonna go four. Uh, bearing in mind that I gave Bridget Jones The Edge of Reason two out of ten as well.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Three. Yep. Three. I gave Bridget Jones's Diary three out of ten, because it was
1: shite. <laughs>
3: Okay, I guess we're
0: going. I'm probably going to give this
1: a six or something. Yeah. Oh, straight up six. God. I
0: I thought I thought for this sort of mediocre shite, it it it, it you know it was watchable. It had likable cast members, some little jokes that I found vaguely amusing. I thought it kind of did this shit as well as it's done. I was trying to meet it at its own level for the most part. Um, it's it's written really badly, and I obviously have a lot of problems with it, but. I found it far less offensive than Bridget Jones, certainly. Have either of you guys seen Red Nose Day,
3: actually? Ah! Well, I considered watching it after watching this film. I just thought, no, I can't take it. There's no way they're going to do anything like that that doesn't make me want to punch my face
2: (laughs) into the ground. (laughs) Yeah, There's
3: there's no way that they would be able to handle that that made me go, oh, that was a nice little uh, add-on. I I just knew it would annoy me. So I, didn't I
1: read a plot synopsis on Wikipedia. I couldn't find it anywhere online. I think there's just a trailer on YouTube or something. I meant to watch it, but like I couldn't bring myself to watch <laughs> it
0: after I watched the film, and then I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I think you gave start one of the like several Star Wars films less than that. Well, yeah, cuz The Phantom Menace is
1: worse than this film and Attack of the Clones is worse than this film. Mm. From what I um understand about the Red Nose Day thing is that it is just sort of uh, it's only like 15 minutes long, I think, and I think the American version is 17 minutes long because they aired it there 2 months after the UK and they filmed an extra bit with Laura Linney for the American audience. Um, yeah, like Andrew Lincoln goes out, so, knocks on Keira Knightley's door again and does the same shtick, but then it turns out he's dating, um, Heidi Klum or someone like that. Oh, no, Kate Moss. It's Kate Moss. Um... Wait, so why does he do the same thing again? I think There's... he wants her to... He's, like, saying, look, by the way, I'm definitely over you now because I'm dating Kate Moss. By the way, why don't you donate to charity? Um, oh, but no, I really am uh, Kate Moss. Look, she's here in a cameo appearance. Oh, hello. And then they go off yeah. and that's it. This sounds... Like the
0: worst thing ever made.
1: <laughs> How does Rowan Atkinson come? He back? does because I know he the does. exact same thing. He's working at a toy shop, and a kid brings a toy to to the uh, counter, and he does elaborate wrapping. And 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 there's a massive queue that forms, which is stopping traffic outside. Um, Hugh Grant is still prime minister. Uh, somehow, um, apparently, apparently <laughs> okay. he recently regained the position. But yeah, and he dances around the office again. Um, of course. In my experience, comic
0: relief is, like, you just want to wait till you can watch it on iPlayer. Mm -hmm. Skip to anything with Ricky Gervais or Simon Pegg or Steve Coogan. Skip the rest. Mm.
1: Um, The only other bit in Red Nose Day, actually, is uh, they get Bill Nye back, and he's, like, apparently on a radio show talking about more shit. But he does mention that his uh, manager died uh, since the events of the first film, which uh, I assume would be a a, a heartfelt moment, but... uh... Does it open with Hugh Grant talking
0: about the London bombing? <laughs> <laughs> uh as far as I'm aware, no. Love actually. It's Christmas.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot. Why are we doing die home? Erlin. Rickman. Our thing should be to do only do Christmas films with Alan Rickman in. I think that might limit us, but... Uh... I was gonna
0: say, are there any others at all? <laughs> <laughs> there
1: must be something. Are, are any of the Harry Potter films set at Ooh! Christmas for, like, one Yes! Season? The first two are. Like, when they get Hogwarts all decked out with Christmas decorations and stuff. Oh, he was in a film called The January Man. <laughs> You're assuming it opens on uh, like in December,
0: just
3: to give some context.
1: <laughs> oh, yep, opens on New Year's Eve. Brilliant. Okay, e- excellent. That's, our, that's <laughs> that, our next... I mean,
3: I've got to be... Uh, I hate to be a pedant, but New Year's Eve isn't Christmas.
1: No, no, but
0: it's December. He's in <laughs> Dogma. That's all about Christ and stuff.
1: Brilliant. Okay, that's next year. Dogma. <laughs> Alright, come on then, we're doing a quiz. Oh, he was in Snow Cake as well with Sigourney Weaver. That's got that's all snowy and stuff. We can do that <laughs> anyway. Sorry, let's go. go on.
0: Right, music quiz. Yes, you know these music quizzes. <clears throat> yes, what's the what's the theme? Christmas. Christmas.
3: What's the, <laughs> what's the element of quiz that we need to work to?
0: So you need to tell me if the following songs are Christmas or Schmissmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Um, no. What I've got here are a selection of. Uh, songs from Christmas albums that were put out in character by film and TV characters.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, like when Bob the Builder did a song, and it was by Bob the Builder.
1: Okay. yeah, right. It
0: was Christmas No. Rather than by Neil Morrissey or whatever his name Right, okay. All right, so you need to, basically, it's between you and Alan. Right. Um, I'll start playing the clip. And then if you think you know what it is, shout out, and I will, like, pause the song. Okay. So that we can...
3: So do we, we have to buzz in, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And between okay. the two can of you... Can we have christmas
3: theme buzzes?
0: Well, yeah. You, you have to do your own buzz. So, Ooh. Alan, what's your buzz going to be?
3: Mine's, um... Jingle bells! Damn oh, it, that was mine! <laughs> <laughs> Calvin, what's yours going to be?
2: Silent night...
0: <laughs> you need something you can I do. Just bearing away. in mind, after.
2: <laughs> okay, then I'll do. Um...
1: No, no, no. I'll I'll do a reindeer noise. Like. Um... <laughs> 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 okay. I didn't know what was going to come out of me then, but that did. <laughs>
0: so yeah, buzz in if you think you know it. And then I will give you a chance to properly answer. Wonderful. I'm looking for what the franchise or character is, basically. Excellent. As as the answer, and if you can specifically name the album or whatever in question that it comes from, I'll I'll chuck you a bonus point as well. Swell. Okay. Okay. Ready?
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. yep.
2: Whoa! Whoa!
1: Whoa! Uh, Star Wars. <laughs>
2: Yes,
3: point to Calvin. Hooray! Well, it was
1: the character Star Wars.
3: No, no,
2: (laughs)
1: you just wanted the franchise.
0: Yeah, character or franchise. I heard R2D2 beeping. Oh, is that what goes <laughs> Yes, really? yes. Do you know the uh, name of the album? I have no clue. Oh, C3PO
3: sings the Christmas hits. <laughs> You're very very close. Oh my god. There is a um, C3PO you, Christmas album. I was going to say yeah. you
0: will remember that we we touched on this album a few weeks ago actually. Doesn't sound like either of you
3: Oh, uh, its name. Um, Miko. Yes. Someone someone Miko no. did start. Alan, Wars. you
0: are right. I'm I'm going to give you a point for that because that is the artist. Uh, even though Calvin got the franchise, um, yeah, it's the song "Christmas in the Stars" by Miko and Anthony Daniels as C three PO. Wow! From the album from the album "Christmas in the Stars," and I will now play the rest of the clip for our enjoyment. Christmas in the
2: stars. Christmas oh in the stars. No. What a merry Christmas this will be. Christmas oh. in the
4: stars, out among the stars, lighting up a Christmas tree, oh my come
3: God.
2: on, let's
4: the Go on, how could you ask a question like that? Of course I'm getting ready for Christmas. It's all right here on my list. I'm speechless. I've got mistletoe and (laughs) honey. I've got peppermints and lollipops and 20
2: different kinds of
3: chocolate bars. Uh, I mean, me and Calvin went Christmas shopping the other day and that's pretty much an exact recursion. (laughs) (laughs) This next one is
0: one of the harder ones in the quiz. You ready?
4: All right, gentlemen. This is my big solo. I want to take it nice and easy. Don't be afraid to swing it and follow me for the counts. Hold on. A two A one Two Three What Hold on a minute Big go about. You start on four Thank But what it What's... is To ride with the mom Inside a car
1: Is it oh, no, I am
4: not Where's the lyric no. sheet No I act. Take that What's... sled Through the snow And catch grandma In the face One day I made a pie And also I made a cake Let's go with grandma Through the snow
3: Ooh. It's some. It's obviously some sort of take on a crooner, you know, like a Frank Sinatra or whatever. But I don't recognise the voice.
1: I was gonna guess at Family Guy, but I, I don't think that's a, mm. that's not a Family Guy voice. But am yeah, I mean, the... it,
3: it felt like that kind of gag. Yeah, yeah. you're but in the um, right
1: ballpark. Few drama. Um, it is Rick and
3: Morty.
0: Well, and you're closer. I've but... never seen Rick and
3: Morty. so I, don't... Uh, <laughs> I just no,
0: like it, to say it, the it things was, the um... kids like. It was an Aquatine Hunger Force album uh, by the name of yeah. "Have Yourself a Meaty Little Christmas." Oh. That was Jingle Bells Deep performed by Master Shake. Hmm. So uh, mm. you got I Adult Swim. That. You got the the, the channel. Let's see if you get this. Yeah, not
3: familiar with that. Yeah.
1: What? What? Is it? <laughs> is it? Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks? No. I thought that, but <laughs> I decided it
3: wasn't his, that voice. Hey, do, this strikes me as something that is animated, uh, like old school. I'm, like, I'm
0: going to assume you couldn't hear the words properly there, because there there is a major major clue. Is it the, the Flint
3: Flintstones?
0: No, no. Well, I just is... I, I
3: didn't think it wasn't. I didn't realize it wasn't the original lyrics. I thought it was saying. Do you, do you want the rest of the,
0: of
2: the clip? It's every has to stop.
3: saying something that's
1: not rocking around.
3: But I can't tell what he's saying.
1: Is he saying flapping around the Christmas tree? Is it a bird? No. Oh. oh. Fluff-flumping
3: around?
0: Would it help if I said that the word in question is not a real word?
3: Oh. Is it Smurf? Is it Smurf? Yes, oh, Alan. Well done. <laughs> yep,
0: that's it. It, it was Smurfing, smurfing around? around the Christmas Tree uh, by the Smurfs hmm. from the album Smurfs yeah. Christmas Party. Couldn't tell where the stupid (laughs) was. See if you have a better better luck with this one. This should be quite easy, I think. Well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Muppets! <laughs> <laughs> Jingle Bells! Yeah, the Muppets?
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> that was um, All I Need Is Love, which is actually a CeeLo Green track from CeeLo's Magic Moment, but it's CeeLo Green featuring the Muppets. Wow. They, they <laughs> guest appeared on his album.
1: Just as Alan said it, I heard the Mana Mana. Like, yeah, that's a,
3: what an, obvious, an obvious collaboration, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, is this literally just a CeeLo Green song with Manam and I underneath it? Is that the only element of.
0: I mean, the, the, the Kermit and Miss Piggy sort of pop up at the start and they're like, oh, we're going to do a song with CeeLo
2: Green. Oh! The virgin
4: Mary was sleeping when Angel Gabriel appeared. He said, you are to be the Virgin Mother, and Mary thought that was
2: weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you what?
1: South Park. <laughs> Jingle bells. <Yeah. laughs> That was you, Calvin, wasn't it? Yes.
0: Uh, Yes, that was or is the most offensive song ever by Mr. Hanky and Kenny McCormick from uh, their Christmas album, Mr. Hanky's Christmas Classics. Hooray. Mm, Of course. Yes, yes. Mm. I will now play the rest of that.
2: (laughs) But then
4: Gabriel said to. and still not be considered flawed
2: It's
0: a really good album actually hmm. They did an episode based on it after the uh, voice actor on the show killed themselves and they needed to scramble something together at the last minute oh. uh,
3: <laughs> That's what's going to happen to you one week. (laughs) 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 You you two have to shove something together. (laughs) You can replace me. Aww.
1: Happy (laughs) Christmas, (laughs) everyone. Right. You ready? Yep. I'm Brock. Back on the block from... Pokemon. Yes. Yay. Yes. Aww, what? I was never going to get that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that that is... um, Pokemon Christmas Bash by the cast of Pokemon from the album Christmas Bash. Brilliant, <laughs> Christmas Good Bash! Day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they did a full album of this stuff. Let's hear the rest of this.
4: With Ivy's flock, two things on my list ain't many: a kiss from Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny. Santa, please, with your ho, 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 Put them both under the mistletoe. Rocks kicking it and it's a gas. At the Pokémon Christmas bash God I
2: thought
1: they were going to run something out against them. At the Pokémon Christmas bash This is like the worst
3: level of white midnight is rap <laughs> Just has got a post to the ice
0: nonsense there, there's some amazing lyrics coming up as this song fades out I'm misty I got storm with me We're having fun decorating
2: the tree
1: Wow. (laughs) Decorating the tree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When did that come out? You ready for this next one? This next one is relevant to our show, although I I can't remember if it made it into an episode in the end or not. Hmm.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Hmm.
4: my Mr. Blobby wake up, wake hey, up jiggle balls
3: <laughs> it's Mr. Blobby that,
0: that is correct it is mm. Christmas in Blobbyland by Noel Edmonds and Mr. Blobby Ooh. from the album Christmas in Blobbyland
3: wow see mis- Mr. Blobby had the Christmas number one in 1993 but so it wasn't for been, this song yeah, that must have been like their next year they thought uh, oh, we'll do we'll yeah, that again Yeah, us hear the rest of that that clip because it's brilliant
2: Christmas Day oh, God oh, Blobby
3: <laughs> I think what a great comedy character.
1: It is the most terrifying voice, isn't it, for a, a cuddly children's toy to have that horrific shriek. <laughs> Um. Well, yes. well, it's from The Grinch. I don't know if it's from the original Chuck Jones cartoon, um, or if it's no, some it's kind of remix. Probably not from the Jim Carrey version. So I'm guessing that it is a cover by someone else.
0: That is correct. Ah, hooray! Alan, do you care to guess who it is for a point? James Franco. No, I'll play some more. See if you can figure it out.
3: Is it Electric Six?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Electric Six making their traditional appearance in the quiz. Bit of a cheat that one because that that was actually from a uh, an AV club online special thing that they did, uh, just tying in with the. the, the yeah, well, you, but you technically don't have to tell they so winner. But they, you know, they 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 do it with stage names, so it's like they're performing in character. All right. <laughs> We're getting near the end now. This one now is, is devilishly hard. Christmas,
4: Christmas time is near. Time for toys and time for cheer. we
1: been good. But... Is it. <laughs> it uh, is it like Hal sings Christmas standards or something like that? It's, it's computer, is it who? surely. Hal from 2001, oh. a Space Odyssey. Oh! Oh! No. Oh. no. Okay. But no. it is a computer okay, no. singing. No. No.
3: No. no. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me keep listening. And last,
4: hurry Christmas, hurry fast. Want a plane that loops the loop. Me, I want a hoo la hoo. We can hardly stand the wait.
3: Please, Christmas, don't delay. This this sounds very old school, like a nineteen forties Disney thing that's been banned because it's racist. (laughs) (laughs) That's my guess. I mean, it is very old school. You're on the right track there. I think
0: Calvin, I I think you thought it sounded robotic because that was a harmony of uh, three voices there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it the Three Stooges? No. Would oh, it help yeah. if I... I guess so. The Marx Brothers? I, <laughs> no.
0: Would it help <laughs> if I told you I manipulated the audio slightly? Oh, uh,
1: no. Why?
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna assume you're both passing. I'll I'll play the original version for you. Mm-hmm. See who's first to get this one.
4: Okay,
1: Simon. and the Alvin.
4: Okay, Alvin. <laughs> Alvin. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas time is near Time for toy and time for
2: cheer we then good, but we can't last Hurry Christmas,
0: hurry back Haunted, haunted vocals <laughs> It is a bit, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> uh, and that, that was, of course, the chipmunk song Christmas Don't Be Late by the Chipmunks and David Seville, but it was a single from Let's All Sing with the Chipmunks. All right, last one now. So Alan is leading the oh, the, no. the pack Come here. On. Alan's got five oh. points. Calvin, you've got four. So Calvin, you need to get this oh, to <laughs> to to at least draw or win if you can name the album as well. Mm. All right, let's let's see.
4: Santa works all day in his workshop making a line. Jingle
3: bells. <laughs> yes. Is it Joe Pesci? <laughs> uh, as the character from My Cousin Vinny.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. It's Joe oh. Pesci as uh, Vinny. Vincent Laguardia from My Cousin Vinny. Uh, that is from his album
3: that he released, Inexplicably in character. Is it called let me let me guess the album's called Merry Fucking Christmas!
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, no, it was it was a normal album with one Christmas song, and it's called Vincent Lagarde, the uh, Gambini Sings Just For You, and uh, the song is called If It Doesn't Snow On Christmas, hmm. and uh, for anyone who's seen My Cousin Vinny, they will remember that Vinny is not a gangster, or, like, mobster, he is just the kind of wise guy who...
3: Uh, he's a, well, he's a lawyer, isn't he, but, like, a very yeah
0: and... Yeah, yeah, uh, but... Inexplicably, Joe Pesci seems to adopt his role from Goodfellas instead in this <laughs> album and makes reference to uh, leaving people floating, like <laughs> head down in a ditch and oh stuff God. like that. So it's, if it doesn't
3: snow on Christmas.
0: Yeah, well, let's hear the rest of it. He'll be eventually. so angry. It. Yeah, here's the rest of that, track. Well, that clip.
4: Themes and toys, then one day he hops in a sleigh to bring them to. girls and boys. Santa's just as nice as he could be. There's just one fucking thing that worries me. If it doesn't snow (laughs) on Christmas, how's fat gonna use that sleigh? In case of rain, would there be a train that'll speed him on his way? If it doesn't snow this Christmas, how's fat ass get around to us? Say he breaks down on his way to town, would they let him use a bus? I sent him a nice long letter, and I hope it's not in vain. I really would feel much better if the fat fuck flew a plane. Now they say he got a ring.
3: I just imagine, like, imagine the moment when he's stood <laughs> in a studio.
0: The album met with uh, universally dreadful reviews, so, yeah. But he was a, a lounge singer, I believe, before he became an actor, Joe Pesci, so <laughs> hmm. that's that's why it happened.
1: I could see that,
3: yeah. Well, I can't see it based on his singing voice.
1: <laughs> well, none of them crooners were especially great, like, you know. True. What are you on about... <laughs>
0: They're not. Like Sinatra, They're,
3: Sinatra and Bing Crosby.
1: Yeah, Sinatra.
0: Anyone can sing a Sinatra song. It's really... He's not <laughs> an impressive singer. It's all He's good at knowing Aww. when to breathe.
1: Yeah, I like Sinatra a lot, but there's a reason why my way <laughs> is like a go-to is. karaoke song for most people. Exactly. Because it's a piece of piss to perform.
3: Yeah, no, people fucking hack it up every time. Oh, I'm not saying
1: they do it as good as it's he did. But it's an easy song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: He had a very nice voice. Aww. I'm not like, you know... yeah,
0: yeah. He had a good voice, but it's not like he's not like Freddie Mercury. He's not going to yeah. hit those like difficult notes. Mm, mm. All his all his songs were just like he's sort of talking with a yeah. bit more like energy. That Dean Martin. No, no,
3: no, no. That's that's a very shallow view of Frank and Liberace. Though, all that well, Liberace completely <laughs> Liberace is completely different. Was he?
1: I don't know. They're all the same. I
3: think. Liberace was more of a pianist than a. A penis. Singer, anyway. Yeah, he, he loved He loved it.
0: Alan, you won the Christmas quiz. Six points
3: Yay! to four. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Take that. Yeah.
0: More Electric Six next time on the Diminishing Returns music quiz. <laughs> <sighs> well, I guess, I guess right we then. should uh, do some pictures. Do some pictures, yeah. Though. That's what we do. Sequels to Love Actually. Anyone Anyone want a sequel to this one?
1: Want? No. But as it was our task to come up with ideas, um, can I go first? <laughs> I feel like I haven't gone yes. first on this in a while.
0: But just first, That's I true. want to say I hear they're making a sequel to Love, actually. <laughs> it's called Love Theoretically.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I was wondering if I really remembered that.
3: Uh, good old callback. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go and listen to that. <laughs> To anybody who, who wants to, going back to listen to our Bridget Jones episode, Saul's mother's uh, partner <laughs> makes this joke, and we laugh for so long that we edited two-thirds of it out, and it still <laughs> seems way too long on the episode. <laughs> mm. oh, that
0: is, it. two-thirds of the laughter gone, and it still works as one of those <laughs> jokes that's funny because it sort of Goes on so long that it stops being funny and then keeps going to the point <laughs> that it becomes funny again. <laughs>
2: right. Calvin. Okay. <laughs>
1: So, my pitch for the sequel to Love Actually. We'll set it, like, 15 years later, and so we open with a bit of a prelude. Given the diplomatic suicide that Hugh Grant committed in the previous film with the American president, he slagged him off and said he wasn't gonna work with him anymore, the relations between the UK and the USA have broken down. um, And since that special relationship is no longer there, the US has become increasingly withdrawn and separate from the rest of the world. Who's who's the president now? Is it still Billy Bob Thornton? Yes, because now he's a dictator. Okay. And uh, so, uh, seeing this, Russia has taken the initiative and has um, invaded much of Eastern Europe. This has caused war to break out in Europe. But the UK has refused to be involved um, in fighting against the Russians because Hugh Grant was at a global summit dinner once, and the German Chancellor put her elbow on the table while she was eating, and he didn't <laughs> like that. So he's, uh, he said they're not they're not dealing with rude people. Um, they're not worth saving. No, no, quite no. So um, Russia gets to invade most of Europe. Um, it's only when. France Falls that the US decides to get involved. Um, So there's nuclear war. Both the US and Russia are destroyed, and the UK is left in the middle to suffer from the effects of radiation, including (laughs) giant
3: good good feel-good movies. Including
1: giant mutant frogs and neon green rain and so on. (laughs) But as a result of this, the majority of the population live in underground bunkers. Which is where we pick up with the characters and we have a vignette similar to the structure of Love Actually where we just hop from one to the other and they're all in sort of underground bunkers um, and we're seeing what happens. Kira Knightley and Chiwetel Ejiofor are in there, So it's,
3: it's all the same characters then? Yes. They're all in the same bunker? Uh,
1: no, 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 they're all in different bunkers. Well, some of them are. But anyway- Kira Knightley and okay. Chiwetel Ejiofor are in their bunker. And um, it's been a while now since all the nuclear fallout stuff happened. So they're just sort of getting on with... But they, 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 um, they've they filled their little bunker with all of their earthly belongings. Chiwetel's cooking up a tin of beans on a portable <laughs> uh, oven.
3: Wait, so this is 14
1: years later, did you yes, say? Yes, yes. But not too long after the nuclear war. But they haven't got any
3: kids or anything yet? No. They've... Oh, okay.
1: okay. Anyway, um, there's a knock at the door. And they look through the eye hole thing, and it's um, Andrew Lincoln. He's like purple now, because of the radiation. <laughs> and, and That's
3: what radiation does to you.
1: And uh, they're like, he's like, help, let me in. Um, but he says all this on cards, obviously. Um... <laughs> does he, does
3: he, they're looking through like a little fisheye lens in the door. Yes. So does he have very tiny cards, but he's holding it right up to the thing? <laughs> Its Just very tiny right? They up. can't
1: quite read it because they're huge. so he's having to like move them around <laughs> or stand quite far back from the thing. Um, anyway, he's going through his cards and he's saying, please help me. I need food and water. I, you're my last hope. I've walked here for days, all that kind of stuff. Um, but
3: then I'm not a mutant, honest.
1: <laughs> but then it um, it turns out that he's got some of the um, the old cards mixed in with this one. So all of a sudden, up pops "I love you, Juliet," and Chouette Lachapelle's like, "Oh, hey, mistake. Hey, what's this? What's all this?" Because
3: <laughs> he, he can't, he's, he's he's going through the cards, yeah. and then there's one of him in like just skimpy trunks, and then the <laughs> next card says, "Oh no, how did that one get in <laughs> there?" <laughs>
1: I'll tell
0: you what he's done is, um, because he's, he's re- written on the back of the old ones. Yeah, he's got one exactly. of them the wrong way round.
1: Exactly, that's
3: it. In a, in a post nuclear world, you have to recycle. Exactly. Them.
1: Kira and Chuitel have a bit of a fight, and then we leave them. Uh, we go to Liam Neeson, who is um, burying another wife inside his own bunker <laughs> uh, because. <laughs> oh no! I didn't mean no. I meant the character. The character, not him. No, no, no the character. Oh God! Um, no, I I definitely meant the character, not the well. I mean, yeah. Um, so he's burying her inside the uh, the bunker. Claudia Schiffer's character from the previous one, because he got married to her, obviously. And Thomas Sanxt is still with him, and he's very sad for about ten seconds, and then Thomas Sangster's like, "Oh, I'm 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 in love." With with the, I mean love again, and he's like, oh, this will get me mind off it. Let's let's figure out what what you're in love with now. Oh, is it is it a girl? And Sam, no, no, it isn't. Oh, it's a boy then. And he's like, no, no, it isn't. So like, oh, then what is it? We've not even seen another human being in about two years, and um, it turns out that Thomas Banks is really in love with this rat that keeps running around the bunker, and he's because it's a different kind of love. And so he's really upset. Well, no, no, he's not upset. He's just, he's wondering how to, um, woo the rat. So, um, Liam Neeson thinks that it might be a good idea to try and, uh, make some cheese out of the tinned powder milk. To try and woo the rat. So they spend ten minutes doing that. Uh, (laughs) And then Rat comes and eats the cheese and it's like, oh, no, I don't like this, lads, I'm, I'm off to another bunker. So then we follow the Rat to another bunker, where we see Laura Linney and her brother, who is freaking out, or, or whatever it is. What has he got, exactly?
3: <laughs> he's he's a big fat guy, which is a classic kind of side effect of antipsychotic drugs. <laughs> oh, so he's probably like schizophrenic.
1: Oh, okay then. Well, anyway, um, he's going a bit mad, and Laura Linney is too. Uh, we'll get David Lynch to direct this segment because I, I want some really crazy stuff. Because it's all going to culminate with her killing him in an act of love. Because really, putting him out of his misery is the most loving act of all, really. Um,
0: well, she waited until it was like just inconvenient to have him around to do it. So it's,
1: yeah, I mean, I, he is already in his—he's
3: in his late sixties. <laughs> <laughs> does yeah. she?
0: Does she eat him afterwards?
1: Uh, yeah, why not? Waste not, want not? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. You, got, you got this meat lying around. It's a kind of love. And then, you know, we go... <laughs> love of food. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I love how this tastes. Uh, Actually. And then... <laughs> and then...
2: <laughs> uh,
1: and then we, um you know, we have another... The, other, the only other one I've got sort of an idea in mind is we go to Hugh Grant's character, and obviously he's got a big... Bunker underneath Downing Street. Uh and uh him and Martin McCutcheon are there and um he puts on C D, uh Kate Bush, and then he dances away, and that's it.
0: <laughs> that's um, that's an odd choice.
3: <laughs> Out on the winding,
1: Windy moss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so It's a bit avant garde for this kind of
1: film. Well I really. Oh is it not similar is to Jeremy like Mitchell? Is it no, oh, really, no. no, I don't know. I don't, I don't listen to music. That is it?
3: Much. Is this like an Alan Partridge, Kate Medley?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Let me into your window,
1: <laughs> babushka, babushka. <laughs> the the only one that I think would be good to work out would be uh, Rowan Atkinson. What could that character do in a underground bunker?
3: He drives around in a big truck, just running over me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: With a the big it. baseball bat that he like knocks heads off with,
0: <laughs> cool. Can I, should I, should I, can I do mine? Because mine's really like not thought through at all.
3: Okay, so <laughs> be good. Right, to... well, mine's not exactly a big close. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: right.
0: Well, I uh, pitch hate actually.
3: <laughs> no not, not really I mean I I mean, I mean, was I wanted to do that but it was just like it's too obvious <laughs> yeah. uh, I was very tempted though so
0: I mean to be honest I think the, the kind of market love actually plays to and especially given what Calvin was saying that the Red Nose Day one sounds like I think you can just do the same exact shit again and again and again and again so my pitch is to basically just do the exact same film but change the cast to try and Trick people into not realizing it's exactly the same. Hmm. So my pitch is basically just a load of alternative casting choices. Oh, and uh, I'll I'll give you a few. You guys, so we,
3: you you're updating it. Is this sort of 14 years later. Um, Who's the appropriate? Yeah, cast? but I
0: struggle to find people who were like the right amount younger. So so I'm gonna get you you and Alan. You two, you can vote for who we'll have in the film. Okay, great. All right. So uh, so instead of uh, Bill Nye. We've got the character of Billy, the aging rocker. I I was thinking Anthony Head would be good because he's he's got some nice pipes on him. Hmm. He's he's a British tref- treasure. That's that's my favorite choice. But
3: I, I see where you're going with that. I think you've got the possibly the same problem you have with Bill Nighy that he's a bit too kind of A clean, clean cut. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But you know he played Frank Converter.
3: Can I throw an option in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a wild card. Um, John Culshaw. Oh.
0: Oh, yeah. Because he loves
3: doing that Ozzy Osbourne. He can just sort of tweak it so that it's kind of Hmm. a bit more original. Yeah. yeah.
0: I I was also thinking, like, maybe Peter Capaldi could uh, pull it off. Or, um, I was thinking Michael Caine. Because to, be, to be the right, because he's got to be an older guy now anyway. You can't like make him younger because he's got to be someone who was well, doing Kane it. Michael Caine like,
3: is the even 70- older than like the Rolling Stones. No, I know, but that's the joke. <laughs> They're
0: so old now that it's like you've got to go really old. And you know, you know, when Michael Caine was in Kingsman and he got angry and he went, "You fucking little cunt!" Like if, he, if he kind of... <laughs> you, yeah,
3: brilliant. If you work it the other way. So that we're updating it but though it's about the same age. So you want someone who was probably like big in the eighties? Okay. Or early eighties. So you want like Simon LeBon or someone like that. Oh no. Rick Astley. Ooh, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Rick Astley. As himself. Like but as a like just as a hardcore, like drunk. As himself. Uh instead of Colin Firth, um my my
0: suggestions are Tom Hiddleston and James McAvoy. Just very safe British, you know.
3: Uh, Alan, I'd go with Jason Statham
0: Alright, <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson's role As Daniel right. I think we could upgrade massively here So um, <laughs> if, if you wanted to keep him as like You know, having an accent Dylan Moran But um, if not, it could be Peter Capaldi again or, or I guess he's got a Scottish accent Or Michael Fassbender oh.
2: Uh, oh now Steve
0: that's
3: Coogan. the upgrade. Yeah. Michael Fassbender. Now you're talking. Yeah, I like that
1: I like that Peter Capaldi is an upgrade over Liam Neeson <laughs> He is in my
3: eyes. Uh, I'd go with um Ardlo Hanlon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh god.
3: But Tommy time he proved himself.
2: Uh, what's
3: he doing these days? <laughs> I don't know. I don't
0: know. All right. Emma Thompson. I've got three suggestions for you mm-hmm. here. I'd go with Emma Thompson. Like, right? what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> we uh, can't. We've got we've got to have someone new in.
3: Tony Collette. Kate Winslet. Yes. Kate uh, Winslet is a young Emma Thompson. Uh... Come
0: on. There you go. That's my suggestion. That's my main suggestion. There's also Helena Bonham Carter. I mean, she's probably about the same age, so it wouldn't really work. Or uh Gregg. She's Ooh. the T V cheap. Yeah, Emma yeah. yeah. If we
3: need if we need to go cheap on the budget, you go I like Tamsin Gregg. I like her a lot.
1: Yeah, she's. she's uh, good. But for this film, I'll go with Kate Winslet, yeah.
0: Uh, right, now, Chris Marshall. I, I, uh, I've i only got one suggestion here because I think I've nailed it. Um, Stephen Merchant. Jay from. No, it's Jay from <laughs> The Inbetweeners.
3: Ah, yes. <laughs> is that the lanky one? No, the one he's always going on about, Clunge. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the oh, one. yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, he. that's the only character he can play, so it just. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: now, instead of Hiker McCatch or whatever her name is. Yeah. Um I don't know a bond girl or something. Calvin, can you help me out with this?
1: Uh what a recent one because they're all sort of um continental. All a bit foreign? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, and it was just one one that Leia They do. Uh... All right. <laughs>
3: Sorted. Whoever that is.
0: All <laughs> <laughs> c- right, Alan, you you'll be good with this. I I couldn't really think of anyone to replace Martin Freeman. I've put maybe Simon Pegg, but I mean he's not it's, he's the same age roughly We need someone yeah. a bit younger really.
1: Simon Pegg looks a bit oh, too scuzzy. Again. Martin Freeman looks it's probably, nice, well kept. Yeah, mm. it's
3: probably going to be a TV person, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I know, I know who's very popular in British TV. Hmm? The Russell Tovey. Oh, oh, you, yeah, spot on, yeah, brilliant. Very good. Cheers.
0: Um, and then we need uh, someone to play opposite him in Joanna Page's role, but I, I can't really, I don't know anyone on TV. Well, I don't know. It depends who she's opposite. Is she opposite Simon Pegg? or we had someone better, Russell Tovey. Oh, you could just get that one out of that the, the show Russell that he Tovey does
3: the Russell Tovey, yeah.
0: And then, how do you say his name? Chiwetel for. Just get him in again, because he, he was only in like two seconds of the first film, <laughs> so no one would even realise it's the same guy. <laughs> Give him a chance to actually be in the film mm. this time. <laughs>
3: uh, I mean, Kira Knightley could probably play the same character. Yeah, she's more believable to be... now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think she was supposed to be 18 in the film. Mm. Mm.
0: Well, I, I struggled with Keira Knightley as well. My, my best suggestions: Natalie Portman or Sophia Coppola, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> or Daisy Ridley. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. There
0: you go. Andrew Garfield in his uh, Andrew Lincoln's role opposite. Mm, okay, I can see that. And then we need to replace Hugh Grant. So <sighs> Big shoes. the king of rom coms is gone. So we can't mm. really we can't really go down that. Who's the new king of rom coms? Is the so. one. Well, I don't know if there is one. I think it's just Hugh Grant. What about um, Timothy Spall's son? Rafe Spall. Rafe, is he in rom-coms? Well, he
1: was Spall. in, I'll give it a year. I don't know what that is. Uh, in mind. No. My, my best
0: suggestion there is David Mitchell, just going a different <laughs> direction.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got that kind of sexy je ne sais quoi that Hugh Grant has. <laughs>
2: mm.
3: Well, exactly.
0: I think he encompasses Britain. <clears throat> If you want someone who kind of sums up the country, David Mitchell.
2: <laughs> no? <laughs> uh.
0: And then, of course, we need we need uh, someone to play opposite him. So, uh, I mean, the obvious choice, I think, is Kerry Godleyman. I don't know if you know her. She's a comedian. She was in that dreadful Ricky Gervais Derek show as a, a working, um, what they call a carer. But I was thinking, Alan, and you'll enjoy this, I was thinking again, like David Mitchell, we we throw a spanner in the works and we get this role to be played by Nina Conti, who, if you if you're familiar, is that comedian who does that awful routine? That's just her, a cheeky monkey. <laughs> she brings out a stuffed monkey puppet oh. and talks to it.
3: That's and not, she should do. That, th- she
2: doesn't. She doesn't
3: do the cheeky oh, monkey. That's a John Thompson character. She actually does a legitimate ventriloquist monkey. No, act. she
0: doesn't. It's the same act. <laughs> yes. Yeah. slightly purple. She brings out. She brings out a monkey on stage. It goes. Hello, I'm, I'm Nina, and this is my monkey oh, oh oh what are you saying, you cheeky monkey, you cheeky
3: cheeky monkey. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's he's made me forget the joke, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's good. I think Nina Conti's probably older than Martin McCutcheon. If we're trying to if we're trying to No no, no but them. she's opposite David
0: Mitchell and she's doing it with the monkey. So everyone's gonna be looking at the monkey, they're not even gonna be looking at her. <laughs> So David Mitchell actually has a romance with the monkey.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I hated it when they had her on um, QI that time.
0: She's she is awful, isn't she?
1: Yeah, just really. <laughs> like, she's
0: really shit. She I
1: don't even think she's funny without the puppet. Is the th- like?
2: No, I... she's
0: she's not funny with the puppet. <laughs> oh yeah, that's but true. Like, uh... But the puppet is her like entire. That's all she's got. Mm. When she was on QI, did she do it with the puppet? Because yeah. I've never seen her without that puppet. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it was just really yeah, it's like
0: like Keith Harris and all Then we need a new Laura Linney. Um, maybe Meryl Lu- Street, Lucy Lucy Date. Oh yeah, Meryl Street.
3: Meryl do Street's it. thirty I, years I, I, older than Laura Linney. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I
0: was thinking, I was thinking Lucy Davis after her recent turn in Wonder Woman sort of put her back in the public eye. Or, um, why not, why not just kind of be honest with everyone and just cast René Zellweger?
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, fair
0: enough. Alright, this is good now. We need a new Alan Rickman. Um, Alan Rickman. Jeremy Irons? Perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. Done. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, or Christoph Waltz if you want to be a bit left-field. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Oh he he was Kate Winslet's partner in that film wasn't he thinking about it uh, already yes uh all right and then we've got uh Rowan Atkinson as Rufus oh. so I was thinking like just get Rowan Atkinson again or you get someone who's similarly like broadly popular in british comedy well oh, mrs brown who's the most... <laughs> <laughs> that that's better I've got Michael McIntyre down, <laughs> but, but your works better. <laughs> just, just lowest common denominator. So that's my pitch for Love,
2: Love oh, Actually great.
0: 2.
3: Wow. Alan? Uh, okay, well, my pitch is basically to continue the story of the characters... Uh, I have no idea what any of the characters names are, but the characters played by Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Because it was the we've as we've discussed it's the story that I found most interesting that I engaged with the most and uh, best actors. So um I wanted to do a, Alan Alan Rickman's dead. Well, this is the direct sequel so it would have been made sort of shortly after. Um but we can we can just put Jeremy Irons and put Alan Rickman's face over it digitally. Right.
2: That was. Um, so <laughs> uh,
3: uh, but what I'm going to use, what I've used as a basis for this story, is the story of John Bishop. Now, do you know John Bishop is a is he's a, he's a stand up comedian?
1: Oh, Liverpudlian.
3: Yeah, yeah, Liverpudlian, big teeth. John Bishop, for the, the listening audience, is a stand up comedian uh, in Britain. It seems pretty successful, as far as I know.
1: I heard an. <laughs> <laughs> what. What's funny about you? dismissive without needing to be?
3: I didn't mean it's dismissive. I just mean I'm not particularly okay with what he's done recently. But he he became big about five years ago, and that's the last I heard. He he got into stand up later in life, and I was listening to a radio interview with him, and he told this story. And I don't know why I was listening to it, all, but he was uh, married with kids, had been married a long time, and he was like an insurance guy or something he had, like quite a very stable career. But quite traditionally kind of boring thing. Uh I don't think he was particularly happy and sort of him and his wife were unhappy together and they eventually split up. And mm-hmm. so he went off uh to live on his own for a while. I'm basing my story on what happened to him. So, this is what happens <laughs> here. Alan Rickman leaves the the family home. Uh right. he go he goes and lives in a, a bachelor pad. Uh and this this could be quite like um so, what was the name of that sitcom that was like a rip-off of Married With Children, but it had Bob Cod Goldthwaite in it as a talking <laughs> rabbit? <laughs> oh, um,
0: oh, fuck. What was that called? Like, Love and Marriage or something? Oh, God. Yeah, Love and Marriage. Oh. That was
3: because it was Love and Marriage. Was, it was, love. was that what it was called? Well, that was the that theme, was theme song. song. Yeah, But that was, if anyone's familiar with a very sort of famous sitcom, Married With Children, it was like that, except they were divorced with children. That was like the, the gag. <laughs> Is it called Married with Children? Yes,
0: the the sitcom you were asking about with the uh, with the rabbit was called
3: Unhappily Ever After. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. What's uh, What's Love and Marriage then? The theme tune. Oh, that was just the theme. To... T- oh, what wasn't the name of it? I think that's the
0: theme tune to Married with Children, actually. Oh,
2: maybe it makes sense. Which
0: is a a, a well known song in its own right, but yeah. Oh no, no, it's hit the road, Jack was the. Theme oh of yes, it was. <laughs>
3: Yes if you want if you want to look up YouTube the 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 opening <laughs> titles to unhappily ever after because it's
0: if if like me and Alan Alan and I you are like into just awful shitcoms that <laughs> came and went and got forgotten. It's a real doozy. It's about a schizophrenic dad who <laughs> whose family leaves him and he starts like hearing his daughter's pet rabbit talking to him. Well it's not a pet it's rabbit, it's a, big, it's a big it's a big stuffed
3: toy rabbit. It's a stuffed toy and the kid like leaves it with him to like look after him or something. And so this stuffed toy rabbit is just sort of hanging around in his new bachelor pad and comes to life and starts talking to him with the voice of Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> because if that wasn't weird enough as it is.
0: And uh, they produced a hundred episodes. So. <laughs> Jesus.
3: Did we, we we watched one, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that sort of thing. But it's Alan Rickman. <laughs> so you can imagine the hilarity. Uh, and so, yeah, he has his kids over sometimes but then he's like he starts a relationship with this younger woman because he's like oh, well i'm you know i'm free now i can have this the affair like but well, it's like i can do it properly but then like obviously it just turns out she's a total psycho hose beast because she's just this hose beast psycho hose beast yeah so the the i mean the signs are all there she's gonna be possessive and all that so that kind of doesn't work out and so he ends up getting uh he's alone most of the time, he's just getting more and more depressed. He's not, he's not happy. He's he, he's just drinking more. And he finds himself drinking all the time. So he decides, and this is the John Bishop story. He decides to, um, just to get out of the house so he's not just sat on his own drinking. He goes to a comedy club and he ends up going up on an open mic slot and just gets up there and starts talking about his life and going through a divorce and all that sort of stuff. And people relate to it. And obviously, he's just a naturally funny guy. So like that, but Alan Rickman. So it's just Alan Rickman doing stand-up material, which I think would be excellent. And so, and kind of uses it almost like a therapy session, you know? Uh, In the meantime, Emma Thompson's character, she's the stoic one. So she's being strong for the children and all that. And she's got the primary caregiving with the kids and all that. Uh, But we can see she's struggling. Maybe she can go through like a whole midlife crisis thing. She can get a younger man or whatever. Or maybe she can do like, maybe could subvert the kind of classic middle-aged man, midlife crisis with a woman and just sort of play on that a little bit. Hmm. Uh, Use that for comedy effects, but like with an, with a serious side to it, but you know, but then the big climax comes here. Now she's at, she goes to some sort of event, like a work do, or it could be like Marty McCutcheon's hen night or something. They go to this comedy club where Alan Rickman, it turns out is performing. And so she sees him. And this again is what happened to John Bishop. He, he was, you know, he started performing more and more, and he was getting good at it. And so we're talking like over a year or so, the divorce is going through, and all that. And he's performing at this club, and a group of people turn up, one of which is his wife. She sees him performing and then they talk afterwards and it's like she sees him reinvigorated like this is the man I fell in love with like now he's kind of got life back in him before he'd been beaten down by kind of the reality of life and all this and so they <clears throat> and they fell back in love and they and they got back together and um as f- when the I heard this interview a few years ago they were still together and as far as I know they still are and so that's your that's your happy ending right they they get back together and you can keep it quiet. keep keep it quite subtle you can just sort of show them reconnecting you don't have to go too far with that well if it's richard curtis you would have to go too far with it but for me you would just have them kind of perhaps even ending on that night where they just reconnect and you go do you know what i think there's hope for these guys still that's what love is and it's going to be called love really (laughs) (laughs) or (laughs) Uh, that's it so that was kind of actually that was kind of a legitimate sort of sequel that I think would work. I think the stories there, and I, I think mean, you
1: definitely, I mean, you definitely didn't need inspiration from John Bishop, but uh, <laughs> yes. Well, that's I, a th- but I
3: I just like that that was a a true story, you know, and I like the 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 format of it, the strictures. I mean, you you it doesn't have to be like he goes into stand up comedy, but like that I like that the fact that they sort of split up and then they kind of have to. Find themselves again, but then they can still reconnect because there's still love there. But they have to; they've just been sort of so stuck in a rut that sometimes mm. you have to break out and get out of it to come mm. back. And that's what uh, love is, mm. um,
1: actually. Mm. Ah, there we go. What is um? What's Christmas actually? It's
3: a a holiday.
1: Yep. Uh, what did do? Uh.
2: Hmm. <laughs> good one <laughs> yeah. I not know
0: next week we're doing a big review of the year Jobby yes, we're Looking going to be covering last...
1: all of the films that we were leading up to in podcasts or at least the ones that we've seen so we're we'll yes. talking about The Last Jedi Justice um, League a lot of great stuff so join us um, with your leftover turkey sandwiches. Ooh, know, well, a week, week later. later. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well,
3: this episode will go out on the on New Year's Day, wouldn't it? The the review of the year. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, probably. <laughs> if, yeah. Does that mean you've got to put it up at like midnight on New Year's Eve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's the... why he said
1: probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you put it up before.
0: I was going to say if it's if it's ready earlier, I'll probably put it up earlier. As a treat. Not that
1: anyone's going to be listening to it because everyone's going to be out getting drunk. Well, it'll
0: be be in the mix, I would hope, on the party playlist. (laughs) Someone
3: hijacks the Spotify.
0: (laughs) Just just on shuffle.
1: How long do you think it lasts before someone... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's been a great year and I think we've all come away from it. Uh, Has
3: it been a great year?
1: No, not really. <laughs> it's been average. It's been it's been a step up from
0: the one before in many ways. Arguably, it's been an extension of the same shit from the year before. We're all kind of used to it now.
1: So sometimes I think we'd all be happier if we just turned off the news. Hugh Grant might think that it's going to make us all happy to think about nine eleven, but actually, <coughs> if we hadn't watched the you know all that, we'd probably be uh, happier. Ignorance is bliss and if we if we hadn't watched
0: the um, aspirational richard curtis romantic comedies that have been shoved down our throats with all the attractive wealthy people living in these fuck off huge apartments in in london and having a nice time then maybe we'd all be a bit happier with our own meager existences
1: quite right <laughs>
0: <laughs> i hope you're happy with yourself richard curtis should we do um, ken loach films next week <laughs> 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 uh,
2: what are we doing next? Review of the year. year.
0: No, after like, what film are we doing next? Like Back uh, to the Ooh. Future, isn't it? Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. We should probably mention that on this show, shouldn't we? Because it's only been on the channel. Yeah, the listener vote we mentioned like months and months and months ago. It got delayed. It's uh, it's uh, it's at this definite now,
1: and uh, and there was
3: subject to some dubious democratic practices.
1: Yeah, Alan was. <laughs> fucking around and, uh... no, I, was... I, uh, I threw my toys out of the pram ministers <laughs> I really got mad about it because I, was... I thought we were actually going to have to cover the big mama's house trilogy <laughs> you, just, and... you just
3: wouldn't accept that no, no, I mean I, I was simply following the traditions of uh, the democracy that I've seen in the world uh, and rigged it to make it work in my favour
1: <laughs> I mean fair enough
3: <laughs> uh, no it's going to have to be I mean the popular choice for, wh- for whatever reason, is Back to the Future. So, that's the one we'll do.
1: Yep, yep. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. I can't the wait. Merry Christmas
0: to all. Oh, yeah. And to all, uh, good diminishing returns. Good <laughs> fright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> That, that was a Christmas episode for tomorrow. If you happen to be listening to this on Christmas Eve, then, then Merry Christmas for tomorrow. More likely, you're listening to this several days after Christmas, but, you know, it's a 12-day celebration technically, so you're fine. You're fine. It's fine. It's all fine. Here's to 2018 for diminishing returns. Oh, and when you sat around with all the extended family and friends of family this Christmas, people that you might be struggling to make conversation with, why not tell them to listen to Diminishing Returns, eh? Say I've got you a Christmas gift. It's this tip. Go to dimreturns.com and check out this brilliant podcast that you'll enjoy. Thanks, guys. Merry end of year. Wake up, everyone.
2: It's Christmas! (laughs)